passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And when it comes to the WWE, yes, that would be something that would be interesting, that would be worth exploring. Would we buy it? Who knows? As it relates to the WWE, I think it's an incredible asset. We've been in business with Vince for over two decades, We've created one of the great assets of all time. And so that's all I have to say. What I'm hearing, at least from people familiar with the situation, is shaping up a pretty, pretty good uh, sale process. Who's been bidding and where are you in terms of that process? Unfortunately, I can't answer the who has been bidding, but I can tell you uh, it's been quite a robust uh, response. Vince made it clear to me uh, and to the marketplace that he does not need to be included in any offer or any deal moving forward. Does not need to, but does he want to? I'm not sure. You know, that's more a question for Vince. This morning, we announced that we have signed an agreement to form a new publicly traded company consisting of two iconic global brands, UFC and WWE. Many doubted we would ever see this day that you would ever be willing to sell a controlling stake in your company. It's the right time. It's the right time to do the right thing. Had the scandal not happened, would we be sitting here today? Absolutely. So you wanted him to stay? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God. Did he have to convince you to stay? Uh, Not that much. Vince, do you plan to be as involved as you have in the past on the creative side? Um, Yes and no. Uh, On a higher level, yes. And the weeds, which I always love to get in the weeds in the past, no, can't do that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, April the 9th, 2023. And one of the biggest stories... In the history of pro wrestling, in the history of MMA, in the history of Frank Gotch's combat sports, took place, was made official on Monday. WWE and UFC will merge by the end of the year. So, joining me to talk about this, it's a, it's a, it's a big day to, to take a victory lap um, all along. Chris Gull, you and I have had this argument again and again and again, and you said... WWE will never, ever, 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 ever sell. Never sell. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. It, it, it could happen. It could be maybe Endeavor. So how does it feel, Chris Gull, to have to walk this one? Um, if you can pull those recordings up, I, I, I'd love to listen to them. Also, can you pull up the one where I said Kevin Steen, or Kevin Owens and Orange Cassidy are bigger draws than Roman Reigns? Let's get all the play of all You'll, you'll, you'll never let that <laughs> no. go. That that there's there's some random dude on Facebook who's, who's got your number. Um, so I don't know. It's Easter. Did you do anything? Um, I spent time with family the last two days. I did, uh, you know, make a uh, two yeah, days. I did make a, uh, a a tofu ham. 
Uh, yeah, that, that was wow. pretty good. It was like a maple uh, glaze type thing, so that was good. Uh, yeah, tofu ham. Does it taste? Yeah, like it had it had a hamness to it. It was really just like maple glaze and like pineapple juice and like some broth and yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, and you felt like you were better than everybody else. No, I, it's, I'm not that. T- I'm not. I'm not that type of vegan. But yeah, just did that and uh, have I've had a vegan chocolate bunny today this afternoon. I bought one at the store. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jesse is is out of town. He will. We expect him to be back next week. Uh, we're, where we we may debate whether whether putting Roman Reigns over Cody Rhodes was the right decision or whether it was the perfect decision. Uh, more on that next week. Um, but we're going to give you uh, hopefully a, a magnum opus here explanation of of what this merger uh, means or what what we know about it at this point. Um, so if you want to participate, of course you can. Submit a super chat if you're watching today live on YouTube. We will read your comment or respond to your question. Um, so just to to walk back a little bit in time, last week, Thursday, a couple days before WrestleMania weekend, um, Nick Khan had done the media rounds, including this segment. You just heard a, a piece of audio from it on CNBC on was it Last Call. I don't know. This says first on CNBC. Anyway, he was on uh, being interviewed by Morgan Brennan talking about robust interest, robust interest in a WWE acquisition or merger. And then on Sunday, a couple days later, Alex Sherman of CNBC breaks the news that indeed there is a deal near done. This is Sunday evening. We went live with MJ from MJ right before night two of WrestleMania happened. And there it is a couple days later, a deal, a deal between Endeavor and WWE to merge UFC and WWE together is near complete, sources said. And then, of course, on Monday, we got the confirmation. Um, so interesting that, you know, this is clearly and, – and, and by the way, the reason I've got this screenshot up here for people watching on, on YouTube, 294-page filing came out Monday morning uh, – that included an 8K, included the transaction agreement, this long contract between WWE and Endeavor, uh, where they're agreeing to do the merger by the end of the year. So, again, we, we go back to Thursday, where, where Nick Khan's talking about, oh, there's robust interest. Who knows you know, what could happen, but there's lots of interest here. And, um, and then just a, you know some four days later, there is a 294-page filing. So, one thing that we could emphasize here, and that Alex Sherman pointed out when, when John Pollock and I talked to him uh, several days ago, this is not a deal that was done between the time that Nikon was on CNBC on Thursday and Monday when the deal was announced. This is, I'm sure, a, you know, a deal that, that was being prepared for quite some time. Now, it wasn't executed yet, perhaps until Sunday or Monday, but um, something that was near complete for a long time i would think and maybe that maybe getting the word out there that there's robust interest um is just sort of a last call to any anybody like the saudis uh like perhaps liberty media who may have been interested or who are willing to make uh, a a more competitive bid uh brandon do you think endeavor publicly saying that they weren't really like they were interested but not really interested do you think that was kind of just to downplay the market I think, I think we 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 spoke about it at the time. Um, I was now to be clear. I, I I did not expect Endeavor to to buy them, and I was 
And I'm sure you got that impression from things that I said. But if you read between the lines, Ari Emanuel is saying, we're not going to take on, we're not going to change our leverage position, which means what? I mean, they're they're not going to alter where they're at. Like, they're not going to go into debt. Like, yeah, yeah. They're not going to take on more debt. They already have a lot of debt because they bought the UFC all those years ago, and they're still working to pay that debt off. And they said that they're not going to change their leverage position. And I, I, I read maybe some dismissiveness in, in Ari's tone, especially in the Morgan Stanley appearance, that really made me feel like, okay, I, I think they're out on doing a WWE deal. But not so. Uh, what they're doing here, by the way, and do we have a, an, an image that will show us what I want to describe here? What they're doing here is they're distributing the debt as a result of this deal. By the way, this deal is, I thought it was a reverse Morris Trust. It is a merger that still allows Endeavor to split their debt across two companies. But apparently this is not a reverse Morris Trust. Um, hope to have some explanation, uh, perhaps when we talk to Brandon Ross uh, later. Uh, this to, um, real but, quick, to touch on it not being a reverse Morris Trust, do you think because it's not, that's why the, the PBR uh, tour was not thrown into this? I don't think so. I think that there was, there's some legal reason why they couldn't do this as a reverse Morris trust. But, but I don't know enough about mergers and what a reverse Morris trust is and isn't to tell you materially what's the difference here. Because the, it's still the case that a big, a few million, a few billion dollars worth of debt is going to go away from Endeavor and go into this merged company. So, they're still going to be able to reduce Endeavor. The remaining Endeavor will still be able to re to reduce its debt. So w what's going to happen here is we have this entity up here, Endeavor, which is currently trading under the, the ticker EDR. That company, which currently has UFC in it, UFC is going to be pulled out of it, and UFC is going to go into this new um, company. I, my, my video gets all messed up when I use this, this red laser, so I'm just going to not use it. So anyway... UFC is being pulled out of Endeavor and being put into the new company, which is going to trade as TKO. I wonder what the what any guess is what the new company name is going to be. Um, they say they're finalizing a name, so this is going to have some name, which we will be talking about all the time, and people will be having all sorts of opinions about this newly merged company. But anyway, NWE will cease to be a publicly traded stock of its own. This WWE ticker will no longer be be a ticker that is traded. All those W shares will become TKO shares. And I, I, what I don't know the answer to, which I was wondering about over the weekend as I was doing research for this podcast, is if I let's say let's say Chris Cole, you let's say you owned which you which you don't uh, one hundred Endeavor shares, right? When this merger is completed, sometime presumably in late twenty twenty three, you you will probably have. Out of your 100 Endeavor shares, you would probably have some of those 100 shares remaining Endeavor shares, EDR, and then some of those shares would become TKO shares. I would guess the majority of them would. I just don't know how many of them would because UFC is by far the biggest entity. Probably the majority of Endeavor, I would think, considering they, they're giving it an enterprise value in this deal of $12 billion, and the market capital of, of Endeavor is only like $10 billion, so they're they're valuing um, UFC alone at a value greater than what the stock market values the entire company. So I think it's safe to, 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 to say that UFC is probably the majority of the value in Endeavor. Um, yeah, I mean, so. I would imagine the agency that would be pretty close, the talent agency, though. I feel like that's got to be pretty substantial. Yeah. 
I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll, by the end of the year, when this transaction is completed, I maybe we'll have a better idea. Um, I also think it's it's interesting that CNBC got so much of the coverage of not only the Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon interview, which we'll touch on, not only um, the reporting of the deal being near complete, not only Nick Khan appearing on CNBC with Morgan Brennan, um, perhaps even you know, some of the, the the talk that David Faber did, I believe, on the Tuesday before WrestleMania. Who owns CNBC? Comcast. You're muted. Comcast. And who? What? What's the relevancy of that? Well, I mean, they currently uh, have the uh, media rights for Raw, and plus they own Peacock. Mm-hmm. Right. So helping well, NXT out as well, business yeah. partner, perhaps. Who <laughs> could forget NXT? Um, so we um, we've learned. You know, we, we we know that. By the way, if you don't know yet, this transaction is valuing UFC at $12.1 billion. The, the, the market will, once this is really a publicly traded stock, will we'll value it however it values it at. But they're saying that, hey, we bought UFC for $4.1 billion and we triple its value, basically. And we're valuing WWE at $9.3 billion. None of this, my understanding is that none of these values, the, this enterprise value that, that Endeavor and WWE are at their own whim valuing these companies at, I don't think this means a lot at this point. Um, other than what does matter a lot is is the portion, right? Is how much of this merged company is going to be WWE in the red here? How much of this company is going to be um, UFC in the black? So it's this this essentially comes out to fifty one forty nine, I believe, but it doesn't, does it? It's 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 less than that, isn't it? Because it's like twelve point one plus nine point three. That's twenty one point four. This is a twenty one point four billion dollar company. So WWE would consist of 43%. So anyway, and I think, but the, 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 the term sheet says, or the, the, the filing says it, it is going to be a 51. Yeah. And what does it say here? Nuco will be 51% owned by Endeavor and 49% owned by WWE shareholders. Okay. So I guess I don't understand that. Why it's not quite 50, a 49, yeah. 51 valuation here. In any case, we've got the clearest view that I think has ever been disclosed of what's the financial state of UFC. UFC has been part of a publicly traded company in Endeavor for many years, but Endeavor does not report exactly what UFC makes, just like WWE does not report exactly what uh, what Pick Your Show you know drew for a live gate, it does not break down exactly what their TV deals are, although we know what their TV deals are worth through independent reporting. So anyway, we can see that in 2017, net income, UFC lost money. UFC lost $161 million. And they've got every other year, uh, not even really every other year. It's, we got 2017, 2019, and 2022 for whatever reason. There's no 2018. There's no 2021 or 2020 in here. Um, maybe because those years are greatly affected by COVID. But in any case, they skipped 2018. I don't know. But we get a sample of, of what the financial performance of these companies is like on an annual basis. And UFC lost money in 2017, but made money in 2019 and made a lot more money in 2022, making $381 million in net income. That is the final measure of profit after taxes and all that good stuff, um, which is a lot more profitable than WWE in the same year. Um, WWE in 2022, that the year that just ended, the year that they just, they just reported on in February, $195.6 million in net income for WWE. Again, compare that to 389. So, um, more more revenue, 
don't know if I got the slide in here. Yes. More revenue in that year for WWE, $1.3 billion is the revenue that WWE generated. UFC generated a little bit less, $1.1 billion, but UFC made $389 million in net income, while WWE made less, 196 we could say. So UFC, less revenue, but a lot more profitable, at least in the calendar year last year. So um, that. Um, is this see, a win for yeah. stockholders that have WWE stock to now, like, they're going to get this TKO? So obviously, if they keep it, and I'm sure some are selling because it's it was like over a hundred bucks recently, right? I think. Um, yeah. The the stock price has closed on Thursday. Yeah. Did not trade on Friday because it was Good Friday. Stock price closed on Thursday at just okay, over a hundred dollars. Yeah. Closed at basically one hundred dollars. That is the highest that W stock right. has ever closed at. It has reached like one hundred one for like a, an hour or something like that. And in, in times past, uh, years past. That is the, this is the highest, this is the most highly valued W has ever been. We'll see what happens when the market opens tomorrow morning. But is it a win for, for shareholders? I mean, the stock yeah. is way up. Um, it's, it, it's like any, any trend in, in a stock price, I suppose. But you definitely wanted some transaction here. If, um, if, if, if it turned out like you predicted, Chris Gull, that there was going to be no transaction, the stock price would have slid back down to maybe $80 yeah. or maybe lower than that, 75 something like that. So, but just merging with a brand like UFC, other than like maybe being bought by the Saudis. Well, I mean, it probably wouldn't be public anyways. But like, I feel like a cash deal would have been bigger okay. because everybody's stock would have ceased and they just would paid out. They would have got all got okay. frozen check, okay. cash payout. Yeah, and I mean, they could have. You can you can imagine any scenario you want. There, you can imagine the Saudis buying WWE for more than nine yeah. billion or something like that, and that. You know, necessarily would have been better, uh, but this yeah. is pretty good. I guess to answer your question, this is pretty good news because you wanted some transaction. Um, but the stock price, the value of the of of the shares, the value of the equity that you hold if you're a WWE shareholder is is still in flux, yeah. just like any other stock that you you might own. Um, it will convert to TKO when this merger is complete, and then it will continue to be you know at the whim of the market. Um, but this is a company that has a lot of um, cost savings that they can perhaps make. Um, they put right here in this slide, they expect to, to find 50 to $100 million in long-term annualized run rate net operating synergies. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, synergy means uh, really just, well, it's going to immediately delay off. So I'm trying to find the, uh, the word for it. Like you're, uh, I'm missing the word, but you're taking like two jobs and you're turning them into one. Like redundancies. Yeah. Maybe you're looking for that. But yes, so there now this won't, won't be all layoffs, but it'll be largely layoffs. Um, there's other other ways probably that they're going to save money by sharing costs, but but largely this is going to be layoffs. So I uh, we also had from from Puck an article interviewing Mark Shapiro, who's going to be who is the president of. Um, endeavor and he's going to, to serve as an executive of the merge company. Uh, we have Mark Shapiro saying here, um, I don't know where this quote begins, but the Puck article says, uh, in essence, Endeavor will run the same playbook it did for UFC, which has grown considerably since the acquisition. This is back in 2016, right? To $1.3 billion in revenue last year. The, the first target, as is almost always the case with mergers, will be synergies, layoffs, and operational efficiencies. Mark Shapiro boasts that Endeavor took out 
$70 million in costs at UFC one year after it acquired it. So they helped UFC save $70 million and anticipates it can save as much as $100 million on the UFC-WWE tie-up. Uh, Mark Shapiro was quoted here, quote, anything from HR to finance to legal to communications, production to distribution and marketing, Shapiro said. Across every area, you're going to find cost synergies. You're going to integrate and ultimately highlight and appoint the best and brightest teams. So he's naming some areas or some departments where there might be layoffs. And it's not clear to me that there will be layoffs that will affect UFC as well. That's possible, but I just don't know. Um, we also had a comment from Nikon in an Axios article where he he you know alluded to layoffs but didn't uh he wasn't as detailed here as mark shapiro was in terms of actually naming areas that might be affected um so i did i was reading through this nearly 300 page filing over this weekend and i did find this is not a definitive answer to be very clear but i did find in the term sheet under schedule a uh, uh, under the heading service provided by edr to hold co and then a number of different categories and services that Endeavor will apparently, as part of this agreement, provide to Holdco. Holdco is the new company, is is the eventual TKO or whatever they call it. So these are this is how I read this. This is these are services that Endeavor will be able to provide to the merged company, and that maybe these are areas that will um, be looked at, especially for layoffs. And I, I ran this by you know somebody who's who has experience seeing on a board and. This person thought it was on the right track. So what we have here are streaming services, live event production, content production, ticketing and hospitality, sales slash licensing of content rights, gaming rights, marketing slash event services, consumer product licensing, sponsorships, SEC reporting services, accounting support services, financial planning and analysis support services, treasury support services, accounting service center support services, tax services. This is all sounding like finance stuff. Executive compensation uh, workday subscription and HR operations, transition services, payroll processing, HR, full-time employee services, employee lifecycle services, other benefit services, hub system, IT services, finance, BI reporting, analytics services, and digital CDP services. Um, so there's that. Administration services, compliance services, event support services, office space. Uh, insurance support services, procurement support, litigation, compliance, intellectual property support services, cybersecurity, health and safety, corporate security, government relations, SEC reporting, employment, legal support services, immigration support services, corporate legal, commercial legal, corporate communications, corporate development services. And then a couple other things. These are services that the hold company, that the future merged company, will provide to EDR. And that's just the things that we see on the screen here. I just went through, I don't know, a couple dozen categories there, right? Now there's there's six things that are named that the hold company will provide to EDR, and that's office space services, immigration services, BI, that's the, some kind of Microsoft data visualization, BI reporting and analytics services, digital CDP services, full-time employee services. So all this is super ambiguous. We can only speculate, but I would guess that these are these categories perhaps will be the categories that will be safer. There's, there's, but there's 
departments that are named here as well as in the, the other list that look like maybe those are areas that are being identified to likely have redundancies. So anyway, there's that. That's a lot of lot of departments. Would these be both being, you know, traveling sports entertainment type businesses? I there's I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of dual positions that are just easily going to be merged. Like, I mean, yeah, production will be interesting. Though. Production would- for UFC is extremely different than WWE as far as the way with pyro and, 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 and producing and camera cuts and all that. I, I think creative and, and, and people who work on the road will probably be the yeah. safest because I, I don't think these are the office corporate employees for UFC. And yes, people who work in headquarters. Yes. I would think would be, and they just, they're, they're supposed to move into that new office space if they haven't already. And, uh, what if this TKO company wants a headquarters not in Stanford too? I don't know. And these are, I know these are questions that have been, we haven't gotten to the weeds of them yet. Cause we don't know details, but. Oh, in the weeds. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I just, yes. Put it in there. So I believe when, when Endeavor bought UFC, they cut something like 40% of the UFC workforce. Um, and I, I was talking last week to somebody who, you know, who, who covered MMA at that time and, and was talking about how just how sweeping those layoffs were, and they were, you know, apparently going like just going into the office and sort of boxing pe- people's stuff up for them. Um, so I don't obviously I don't know what's going to happen here, but expect there to be pretty big layoffs here uh, in WWE. So this is this is the leadership structure for this merged company for TKO. Ari Emanuel is the boss. He is going to continue to still be the CEO for Endeavor. He's going to be the CEO for this merged company. And then he will be, what I, what I read to be reporting to him, will be Vince McMahon and Mark Shapiro. Uh, Mark Shapiro will continue to be the president for Endeavor, and he will be the COO for the new company. And Vince McMahon will be the, the new company's executive chairman. So he still gets to keep the same title. Um, he doesn't. He's not the executive chairman of WWE notice here. But he's the executive chairman of the new company, which will be the parent company of both WWE and, and UFC. Um, the Endeavor CFO will still be Jason Lublin. The new company's CFO will be Andrew Schleimer. So I wonder if this means um, Frank Riddick no longer being CFO slash president of WWE as he currently is. As we, you know, longtime listeners will know, Frank Riddick... <sighs> Is a long, was a longtime member of WWE's board, um, and when when Vince fired Bar- George Barrus and Michelle Wilson, who were co-presidents in 2020, uh, Frank Riddick came in and served as CFO in the interim, explicitly as an interim CFO. Uh, Christina Salen eventually replaced him as the permanent CFO, and then she was fired, and then he became... Frank Riddick became the permanent CFO. He was eventually promoted to president and CFO. Um, that's his his title now. I, it, it seems that he's in retirement or semi-retirement and kind of coming out of retirement to, to do this. So it wouldn't be surprising if he was stepping back uh, away from WWE. Um, by the way, there's going to be a new board. Six members will be point, appointed by Endeavor. Five members will be appointed by WWE. Two of those members will be executive members that WWE can appoint. I would expect them to appoint. Don't know this. There's no filing that says this, but I would expect them to appoint Nick and Vince as their two board members. And then the other members are supposed to be independent members. So that could presumably continue to include George Barris, Michelle Wilson. Who knows? Um, But anyway, moving on to this leadership team. Dana White 
will be continue to be the UFC president. I believe that is his current title, right? Um, am, am I going to have to start covering like uh, UFC business sort of by virtue of this? Um, I've, I've wondered uh, a couple uh, times. MMA Nomics uh, coming uh, um, to Patreon. Yeah, there's there's actually some other good MMA uh, podcasts that cover MMA business. So maybe we'll make some friends. Um, but anyway, notice we have Ari Emanuel. He's overseeing Mark Shapiro and Vince. And then Vince will be overseeing Nikon as the WWE president. And Vince will, I don't know if he'll be overseeing. I don't think he will be. But he's going to be outranking Dana White here. Um, and we have Lawrence Epstein, who will be the UFC COO. I don't know who he is, but I'm guessing he's someone who's already involved with um, UFC. We do have a, a statement from Dana White. <clears throat> he posted this, at least on Twitter. Um, would you like to read Dana White's official sure. statement? Um, this company has been on fire for the last seven years, and now that we will be adding WWE to the portfolio, I am excited to take this to another level. Vince is a savage in the wrestling space. Ari is a beast at what he does, and then add what we at UFC bring to the table, and there is no limit what the company can accomplish in the next few years. Savage and a beast. That's, that's who he works with. Okay. So there's Dana White. Um, I think one of the big risks here is whether this leadership team can get along, cooperate. Um, does does Dana feel I feel sort of slighted, maybe that? And, it's, and I say this based on nothing more than Dana White has produced the company that is in this transaction being valued at a at a considerably greater value than WWE. Um, yet it's Vince. Um, whose control is being given up to make this deal. But it's Vince with the substantially smaller business uh, that is getting to have the higher position. Um, so this is a lot of egos, a lot of personalities, a lot of ambitious people. Who knows if Vince, uh, who knows if Nick Khan even stays beyond his five-year uh, employment agreement, which began in August 2020, which presumably will expire in August 2025. Who knows if Nick Khan sticks around? Uh, who would at, at that point take over as wwe president um who knows um but interesting to see if all of these folks can cooperate there was some joking discussion on the well there was some discussion on in, in the cnbc interview involving ari Emanuel and, and vince mcmahon about you know they were asked by scott wapner the the interviewer what happens when you guys disagree um and and ari's response was that well it's the same thing as happens if, if dan and i disagree if we have a disagreement about something we just won't do that thing you know, we have to be on the same page, basically, was his message. And um, to which Vince quickly joked to, to Ari, I thought I was in charge here, or some, something to that effect. So Vince McMahon has not been told what to do no. by anybody since, I don't know, 1982. Yeah, since his so. dad was his boss. And, yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens here. And I, I, I just, I think that's that's a risk to, to keep your eye on. Um so this is the ownership structure of WWE as it stands today. Do you know Friday Friday afternoon? I just got a barrage of filings and messages and things that were within the realm of, of WrestleNomics. One of those things was the proxy statement. The proxy statement came out on Friday afternoon. Have you read it back to front? Uh, I'm still working on it. <laughs> You're going to do that tomorrow, I think. So the proxy statement comes out every year, and it details uh, compensation for the major executives. It details ownership as well. So we have an update. Um, not that it's you know noticeably different, but we have just uh, you know sort of a reconfirmation of what the consistency of, of W's ownership is. 
um, especially if you own more than a, you know, a certain percentage of, of the stock. So this is what it looks like today as of, as of March 15th, according to W's proxy statement, which just came out a couple days ago. Um, Vince, much as we've always known, owns about 38% of all WWE shares. Stephanie owns about 2.5%. Linda owns less than 1%. And then we have basically everything else is owned by institutional um, investors. The largest has been for many years a, a UK-based institution called Lindsdale Train. And then we have these um, sort of mutual fund companies like BlackRock and Vanguard, which have long been the, the third and fourth uh, well, the second and third biggest institutional investor. Now, the the Class B shares give Vince and Stephanie and Linda, and when he had the shares, Shane, Shane no longer has any shares, Class B shares give these family member founders special voting rights. So the voting power, how did Vince make his way back into the company earlier this year? Well, because his votes count extra. His votes, his shares count 10 times more than everybody else's. So Vince as of this moment, still has 81% of all of the control of WWE. So he's able to do whatever he wants. There is, uh, as part of this agreement that just came out, detailing that WWE and UFC are going to merge, there is a written written consent. I don't know if it's a decree. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but there's something called written consent. And, and I take that to mean Vince, he didn't have to bring this to shareholders and put it to a vote. He, who owns the majority of the voting control, just you know through written consent, agreed to this merger. That's all that was needed. Um, curious. I'm not, not sure how that, how that came, how that was approved by Endeavor, but uh, maybe somebody who knows more about this could explain that to us. But this is what the voting rights look like. As, as always, Vince owns about 80%, 81%. Stephanie, because she, most of her shares are class B, she owns about 5% of the voting. Stephanie or Linda owns about one and a half percent of the voting. Lindsdale Train owns 2%. It's all moot because Vince owns the vast majority, as you can see here, 81%. Now, what's going to happen when the merger is complete, assuming it will be complete? What's going to happen when these shares become TKO shares? How much is Vince going to own then? He's going to own, by my estimation, by my math, 18%, about 18% of, of the new company. His Class B shares are going away. His, his shares are not going away, but his special privileged voting power that enhances his voting power is going away. And therefore, not that it really matters that much, but so that will also be the case for Stephanie and Linda, who formerly had greater voting power relative to their shares. So Vince will not be in control. Um, I don't know what kind of protections he's got. Obviously, he has an employment agreement. Um, we could comb through that to see exactly what kind of protections he's got here. Obviously, as part of his employment agreement, he has very special intellectual property rights as it relates to his life story. Um, but he is not unsackable as he once was. And he is not, uh, if, you know, he cannot force his way back into the company in, in this case, as he did earlier this year. So... This is roughly what I expect the, the, the new ownership to look like. Endeavor shareholders will have just over one half of the company. Um, and current W shareholders who are not McMahon family members will have about 29%. So Vince will have less than a quarter, less than a fifth, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and for anybody wondering if this transaction is really going to happen, I mean, we have obviously everybody's out here in public talking about it like it's going to happen. It's probably, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, uh, W is going to have to pay up 
uh, pay a termination fee, according to the, the, their disclosure, of $270 million. Think of that as a year's worth of WWE Raw US TV rights fees. Um, under a different condition, uh, W would have to pay a termination fee of $90 million. So think of that as almost a, a year's worth of Saudi Arabia government money. So it's basically, they, they've entered a heavy-duty agreement here. Um, if this deal doesn't get done, it's going to cost to be something, cost to be a lot of money. Um, and by the way, Nick, Nick Khan, Nick Khan's going to become very rich. I mean, when Nick Khan is all done with WWE, we should tally up all the money mm -hmm. that he will have made from, from WWE. Anyway, Nick Khan is getting a $15 million bonus upon the, the completion of this merger. Frank Riddick is getting a $5 million bonus upon the completion of this merger. Paul Levesque is getting a $5 million bonus upon the completion of this merger. So they're very much incentivized to make sure this merger happens. Um, that's that's uh, all I have for now. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about more Vince-related stuff, but any, anything else to add there? Uh, no, I, I, I think I asked, you know, uh, between Thursday and today, the kind of the questions uh, that have been on my mind. Um, I mean... At the end of the day, I'm not super surprised that it was Endeavor because it was going to be somewhere that kept Vince in at least control of WWE. So mm -hmm. he did mention um, he was asked by Scott Wapner. L Liberty was interested, and he was like, "Yeah." And the Saudis were interested, so he was not denying that at least. But we don't know what sort of bids they made. Um, so there's that. We'll touch on some some uh, WrestleMania business news before we go to, to more Vince returning to creative stuff. Uh, again, if you want to submit a super chat, if you're listening live, watching live on YouTube, we will answer your question or comment. Um, but just to catch up fully on WrestleMania, it feels like, you know, WrestleMania was like a month ago at this point, but WrestleMania, according to WrestleTix, 134,852 tickets distributed. Basically all the WrestleMania weekend shows, including the ring of honor show, uh, everything, as we expected, as we sort of discussed ahead of time, everything, the Raw, the SmackDown Hall of Fame show, the NXT Stand and Deliver show, the Ring of Honor Supercard show, all of these did better ticket business than they did the year prior, at least in terms of tickets out. I'd imagine the ticket prices were, were slightly higher for the most part in this year versus last year, so they were probably slightly higher in terms of generating revenue. Um, now, WWE did put out a press release um, Monday morning, in the midst of all of all of this Endeavor uh, UFC merger news, um, according to W's press release, night two broke the global viewership record. I assume that means global viewership record for any PLE ever. Night two broke the global viewership record by 33%. That's after night one broke what I read to be, this is ambiguously written, but, but what I read to be the earlier record Night one broke by 28%. So I, so I, what I think this means is the record, which is probably last year's WrestleMania, was broken by night one by a margin of 28%. And then night two broke that record by a margin of 33%. So anyway, this was the most watched WrestleMania ever. It's on Peacock. About how many homes is Peacock in in the United States now? Um, I mean, it's... I know because you get it through Comcast too. So I mean, it's a lot. I I, I should know this number of so we've talked about it, but it's 20 about million. twenty. Yeah, million twenty homes. was screaming out to me. Yeah. So, and it's in more homes than it was in last year, right? It was probably in something like thirteen million homes last year, without looking it up. So it's in more homes, and it was more highly viewed. Um, interesting to see what happens 
in terms of these, these disclosures, if they continue to make disclosures like this after June, because beginning in June, all those Comcast customers who get Peacock for free are going to start getting charged for Peacock. Um, and I think they have to opt out if they want to cancel it. But the fact that they're getting charged for it makes me think that maybe the, the growth of Peacock subscribers are going to start to level off um, because no more Comcast customers getting it for free. Anyway, most watched WrestleMania ever. Now, the gate, $21.6 million is the live gate. Triple H said a similar number at the press conference. So $21.6 million live gate for WrestleMania, both nights combined. According to WWE, this broke the previous record by 27%. So you do the math now and say, all right, they didn't disclose what the gate was for WrestleMania last year, also a two-day WrestleMania. But if you do the math, you do the algebra. Now, you thought when you, when you were in you know, middle school or something that algebra was never going to be used in your day-to-day life, but you were wrong. You were going to be able to, to, do, you know, to back into numbers and SEC filings and press releases for the rest of your life. But So this implies that last year's gate, which, which they did identify as the new record. I went back and looked at the press release. They identified last year's WrestleMania as the, as the biggest gate they ever did, despite it being two days. But anyway, that, that implies that that gate last year was $17 million. $17.0 million. Um, based on filings, I had earlier estimated that the gate for WrestleMania last year was somewhere between $16.7 and $19.3 million. So this lies between that range. Um, but but WrestleMania 32 in 2016 by itself did 17.3 million dollars. So I don't, I'm not I'm I'm a little confused on what the real record would be because it would seem based on on this press release that last year's WrestleMania did 17.0 million dollars. But WrestleMania in 2016, one night of it, did 17.3. So it would appear that WrestleMania 2016 with one event did a higher gate than WrestleMania last year. Um, but this is contradicted by WWE last year saying that last year's WrestleMania was the biggest WrestleMania gate ever. Anyway, big gate, um, $21.6 million over two days is a lot of money. Um, sponsorship record of $20 million uh, plus is, is what they disclosed. That's a new record for them. Uh, merchandise record was broken by 20%, uh, up 20% from last year, which I believe was also a record. So this made a lot of money. In sponsorship revenue, which is a key area for growth for them that they feel is under-monetized, that analysts feel is under-monetized, a lot of merchandise and obviously a lot of ticket sales, and the most watched WrestleMania ever. So really, from from all angles here, um, this is a pretty strong WrestleMania. What does WrestleMania generate in terms of media revenue? We don't have pay-per-view here anymore to specifically attribute exactly what WrestleMania attributed in terms of media revenue, um, but however you want to argue it out, and they, they may even allocate it allocate the peacock money in a certain way um clearly wrestlemania is, is contributing massive value to the yeah. peacock deal which they're getting 20 million dollars 200 million dollars a year for yeah no you take that wrestlemania out i don't think the peacock deal even happens to be honest with you or it's very 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 low so like share subscribe we'll do a quick review of, of things that we've done uh earlier this week um before we move on with John Pollock, uh, we interviewed uh, CNBC reporter, the reporter who broke the news on Sunday evening, uh, Alex Sherman. We had a talk with him that you can uh, listen to on the Post Wrestling and the WrestleNomics YouTube channels and on our podcast feeds. Um, 
Also, there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You can get my weekly TV ratings reports. You can get the WrestleNomics Thursday 30. You can get the viewership spreadsheet. You get the, the uh, podcast slides as well as other exclusive articles and reporting that I do. Um, on this week's past uh, WrestleNomics 30, Gullo and I, I was broadcasting live from a car in a Walgreens parking lot somewhere mm-hmm. in Bath, New York, where we talked about um, Mark Shapiro. We talked about Vince McMahon back in creative. We talked about AE, the AEW UK Stadium Show, which we're not going to touch on at all here if you're wondering why we haven't. Um, the AEW UK Show, how it could be a branding event, the Raw after WrestleMania TV rating, the AEW Dynamite TV rating, and the quarter hours. All of that was talked about in our 30-minute podcast that is every week for subscribers only. Um, and... Not just for subscribers, we've got an article on the website uh, demonstrating that, yes, ticket sales, tickets distributed anyway, as well as TV ratings, were meaningfully higher uh, in the Triple H era of creative based on your your comparisons against the comparable Vince McMahon months. Um, And MLW WWE lawsuit update, that is also for free for everybody at uh, WrestleNomics.com. So... WrestleMania happened. Um, Cody Rhodes did not win. Were you surprised? Uh, a little bit, but I didn't hate the finish when it happened. When it happened, I'm like, okay, I trust what Triple H is doing here. There's maybe even a bigger payoff. You trust Triple H? His vision of creative, yeah. Yes. Everything that, that's good is, is, is Triple H. Everything that's bad is Vince McMahon. You're probably one of those people who think that, right? <laughs> no comments. <laughs> so... Um, an update. So I, I, I tweeted a, a similar table to this, uh, showing merchandise activity related to certain talent. Um, I, I tweeted a table, and at, and then after going back into my spreadsheet and looking at that table again, I saw different results. I know um, Fightful has reported that during WrestleMania week, the WrestleMania branded merchandise itself was the strongest seller, and we do see that reflected here. So what we have here, by the way, is I have a script that hits WBShop.com every day and counts up and collects all the data from the top sellers page. In fact, it, it, it collects, I don't know, hundreds of items. And what, so what I've done here, what I've chosen to do in the analysis here is give me the items that are in the top 10 every day. And I'm saying, all right, give me all the items that only items are in the, only the items that are in the top 10 on their top sellers list. And then I'm saying, all right, now let's, see whose items those merchandise items belong to. And this is year to date what we're looking at right now. Okay. So year to date on a daily basis, Cody Rhodes has had 154 instances of one of his items being in the top 10. He is the leader year to date. Um, second is John Cena. Fourth is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Did I say fourth? Third, yeah. third is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fourth is Roman Reigns. Um, and the, the, the leader during WrestleMania week and, and in fact, the week before it as well was WrestleMania items. So if you wanted to make an argument as, as, as Jesse, I believe has on Twitter, um, that Cody Rhodes should have gone over based on positive contributions he was making to various economic areas. Um, this is one of them where you can say that, yes, it appears that Cody Rhodes was doing really well with merchandise. Now, some of this is just after he came back at the Royal Rumble but he's continued to do to be among the most among the hottest merchandise sellers. Now, who's the hottest, hottest merchandise seller of this recently ended week? Uh, it's Who is uh, it? acknowledge him. It's acknowledge Roman Reigns. Um, 
And that, that is in fact the first week where I can say, yes, he was number one year to date, but, but there it is. I guess if you, you win at, at WrestleMania, people take you seriously, I guess. So, so there's that. Um, and Vince McMahon, Oh, I've got notes in here that I, okay. So Vince, um, on the, the interview with Ari Emanuel, um, he was asked specifically about the scandal. That's sort of a, it's a buried, have, have people forgotten yet about the scandal? I've not forgotten. Have you no. forgotten yet? You've forgotten it. Oh, you, you, you think about it all the time, don't you? Um, don't, don't you wish people would just stop talking about the scandal and just forget about it and get uh, over it? I think people should talk about it more because it seems to be forgotten in a lot of these conversations. <laughs> so it was brought up by Scott Wapner in this interview with uh, interview on CNBC with Ari and with Vince. And Wapner says, I can't help but wonder, and I have to ask you, had the scandal not happened, would we be sitting here today? And Vince says, absolutely. And Wapner asks, why? And Vince says, because it makes sense. Nothing's ever happened like this before. And again, I'm always looking at what's best for our stockholders and what's best for the company. This is the best thing that's happened in a long time. All the WrestleManias combined, there have been 39, including tomorrow. Including tomorrow. Anyway, and by the way, this um, the transcript of this interview was disclosed as a WWE filing. Um on WWE's uh, investor relations page and in, 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 in SEC filings as well. So it's, it's interesting that this interview that was on TV has become um, something that that's included in a filing. But, it, it, but on the other hand, I can see why it would. It's it's Vince's first comments here um, about the merger along with Ari Emanuel. Um, they did a webcast earlier in the day that was only Endeavor personnel talking on it. Um, so... Wapner also asks him, did that event, he's referring to the scandal, did that event push you towards this day faster than you ever thought you'd be here? And Vince denies it and says, no, it didn't. And in and of itself, no. But it's great that we can combine all this news together at the same time. So would, do you believe him? Would, if the scandal never never became public news, the scandal, you know, if the email by the former paralegal's friend was never sent to the board, none of this ever comes to the board's knowledge, let's say. So it's never, never becomes a public story. Is WWE merging with UFC or selling? In I, I don't think absolutely not. No, I think we're the same old, same old. Vince had to find a way to stay in power and saying, hey, we want to sell, sell, knew he could power play his way into recontrolling the board. Yeah, I think being willing to sell is, is, a, is a ticket that he had to spend, that he had to use to get back yeah. into the to the company with a distraction. Um, and Whopper asks him, is this a good day for Vince McMahon and WWE? It's the greatest day of my life. That uh, This company has been in your family for 70 years. Is it a tough day? Vince says, no, it's a great day. Things have to evolve. Family, business, it has to evolve for all the right reasons. And this is the right business decision. And thus far, it's the right family decision. Um, so that, that's as much as he's, he, he's asked and, and talks about family. Um, I, we should remember that Stephanie McMahon resigned from WWE, um, the same day that Vince was reappointed to the board. Um, Stephanie left the company on a temporary basis in May, about one month before the scandal news broke, by which time the board surely is aware of the scandal. Um, so we don't know what the relationship is or possible disagreements are between Vince and Stephanie. But as we, as we showed earlier, the class B special voting rights will be gone when this deal is complete. 
Um, and the notion that this company, that, that WWE is going to continue for another generation, for what would be a fourth generation, to be con controlled by a McMahon family member, that is not happening now. Um, Shane has been out for more than 10 years. But, but Stephanie, who knows, perhaps inheriting his, his shares someday and coming into control of this company is not going to happen. Um, she could still come in, into possession of his shares, but that doesn't give you control of the entity, which will be controlled by TKO, which Vince right right now looks to only be coming into control of about 18% of. So he'll have a say, but not control. I almost wonder if this sale happening really lets Stephanie move on. Like, do we see her go to another entity, another you know company? Um, and I always said that I could see her being in some type of entertainment or agency company being on the board. So it's that will be interesting because maybe she can finally really, really walk away. So something else here. Uh, and then and Whopper asks, I want to ask you about how you think about your legacy, given where you took this company, what's happened in the last year, the regrets you may have as a result of all that and how you think your legacy and your story will be told. This is the closest that anyone, because Vince doesn't do public interviews. You know, this is the first time he's really speaking publicly since he resigned in July. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of, kind of being asked here about the scandal and do you regret anything? That's not literally what he's being asked, but kind of, and Vince says, well, let me just say I've made mistakes obviously, both personally and professionally through my 50-year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. I'm not sure the legacy stuff, I'm not going to write it, so I don't know. I want to say as someone who had an extraordinary amount of fun, great passion for what they did and wound up do doing the biggest deal he's ever done in his life. He's referring to Ari. So it's the closest, and it's pretty pretty surface level, the closest we've we've gotten here to Vince acknowledging and discussing the scandal is that he's I've made mistakes, obviously, both personally and professionally through my 50 year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. So he's made mistakes. That's it. And we've, you know, in, in the course of him pushing his way back into the company in January, um, we did get some letters between Vince and the board. I believe two letters written by Vince, to the board, one letter written by the board to Vince. And they kind of are related to the scandal and related to the notion that, well, if you come back, we think that's not the best thing for shareholders. There may be more information out there that we don't, that the public hasn't learned about that would paint you in a bad light. Um, in those letters, we don't know that Vince has expressed any contrition or has learned any lessons here. Um, he does refer to these as, as mistakes. Um, mistakes were made, I guess. Although he does say, I've made mistakes. So as close as we get. Now remember, he's going to be in a, in a really high position of power here in this new company and in the current company, he is now officially an employee again. He has an employment agreement. He's the executive chairman. He's very involved. That brings us to, he was very involved in creative on Monday night. Um, a person who has seven known sexual misconduct allegations against him, many of which have similarities to each other. Uh, and everything's great for him. I mean, he, he won out in this more than anybody, right? I mean, considering, considering the, the, the trouble he found himself in, he's, he's, he's done quite well. For I mean, obviously Nick Khan's um, a big winner not, too, but like, absolutely. Um, now remember Vince isn't making any cash off of this deal. His shares 
today are more valuable because yeah. he's making this deal. As I said, stock price closed at $100. That's the highest the stock has ever closed at. If those shares continue to continue to be increasingly valuable, he'll gain an on-paper market value of, of the largest part of his wealth, and he'll continue to be a multi-billionaire on paper. Um, and he could sell those shares slowly or whatever, um, but he's not making any cash on this deal. I think people, if you're only, you know, starting to learn about this deal, you'll, you, you might think that Vince is getting a big payout as a result of this. He's not. Um, he did get a really nice stock award for coming back to the company just, just recently. And he will continue and always has throughout, throughout his time in WWE during his retirement. He has gotten every quarter a dividend payment, 12 cents per share, which comes out to him because he owns so much stock comes out to, uh, about $3.4 million per quarter. It's a nice cash payment in, in the form of dividends. So he's still making lots and lots of money, but this is an all stock deal that doesn't give him any direct cash. Um, and it is a, it is a good deal for shareholders, especially considering the stock has improved in value already. So then oh, I'm, I'm, do you have any predictions of what his salary might be as the uh, chairman of the, we don't. so what's the salary? Yeah. 1.2 okay, million, 1. I believe. Um, now that's just his salary. When you're an executive in a, in a company the size of this, the bulk of your compensation does not come in the form of salary. It comes in the form of con- uh, yeah. bonuses and stock awards. Um, Nick Khan in 2022, it's it's sort of ambiguous because we're we're talking about stock that hasn't invested yet. But in 2022, Nick Khan, according to the proxy statement that was just published on Friday, made more than $24 million. I think it's pretty safe to say that's the most any W executive has ever been compensated in a single year. Now, a huge part of that is a stock award that we all knew, all all of us who who read his employment agreement uh, knew that he was going to receive. He has these tranches that at at certain scheduled times are awarded to him um, as part of his employment agreement. This is what they agreed on when he agreed to join the company as an executive. So... He's he's getting a ton of money. Um, Vince is Vince is getting a stock compensation. Vince is getting a salary. Um, it is not the biggest salary. Uh, Nick's salary is one point three five million. So th- basically, what they did, I, th- I think, feel like we talked about this last week, but you weren't on. Um, basically, what what Nick and what the board decided, I'm sure, approved of at least. What the board decided was that they they would basically split Stephanie's salary. So Stephanie's salary was was going to be, I think, $1.15 million or something like that. And basically, Nick got a piece of that, and Vince got the rest. So so Nick's salary went up slightly, and Vince took the rest of it, which is $1.2 million. Anyway, um, Monday night, Monday Night Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania. Triple H comes out. He says things similar to what he said at the end of the press conference. Um, he says, we wanted to take a moment to say thank you to the superstars, the staff, and the most important people of all, the WWE universe. On a day where WWE is dominating the news and social media, then WWE comes along and makes an announcement that is all that anyone wants to talk about. But he's there to assure you that we ain't going anywhere. The same WWE that you love, Chris Golo, isn't going anywhere. He closes his speech saying, then, now, forever, together. Um, he doesn't use the words endeavor. He doesn't you know, use the word UFC. He doesn't use the word merger. 
he's just sort of ambiguously referring to he's certainly referring to the to the merger and i think giving people a a reassurance that look w programming is still going to exist um was this necessary uh i mean i think they i think they wanted somebody out there to oh yeah go ahead i think they wanted somebody out there to be a public face of this right away though or was this about Vince? Was he really saying, hey, we know that Vince is back, but but the creative isn't going to change? Is that what he was really talking about? I feel like that's around? what Friday was. <laughs> like, it's like, we're going to do the draft. Friday, On he Friday. made the announcement. There's going to be a draft, and it, with all the, and everything's oh, going to be better. Yeah, Friday. like, I think. I don't think any of this was about Vince. I think this was, given that he said very similar words at the end of the press conference, um, alluding to the the, the merger. I think wrestling fans do need, I think people who do not listen to WrestleNomics or other media or pay attention to other media to to understand exactly what this means may just think that UFC is absorbing WWE and that's the end of WWE or something. Um, There's, you know, obviously that's not the case, but I think a lot of people might need that reassurance. Um, I don't think any of this was about Vince or him talking around Vince or reassuring you that the creative is still going to be good and okay, even though Vince is involved again. I don't think it was about that at all. I don't, I don't think he was talking in code or anything uh, like that. Um, but when he came back to Gorilla, <laughs> I don't know if it was already happening, but he might have found someone new in his seat. Someone, you know, he, he, he made the mistake of uh, yeah. his seat. And uh, according, according to reports from, from Fightful, from PW Insider, um, we have these these two tweets that I've highlighted here. One from Sean Ross Sapp, who said, uh, "This is you know just over half an hour into Raw." Sean Ross Sapp tweet, tweeted, "This show is categorically different than how it was laid out even a few hours ago. At least two matches scrapped or changed." Um, PW Insider had, had a report uh, very early the following day saying Vince McMahon firmly back in charge at last night's Raw. Uh, of course, this was still in L.A. Still, we knew that he was in town. We saw pictures of, of him and his mustache at the Hall of Fame. Uh, so we knew that he was in town. I'm sure meeting with, with various people, perhaps finishing that deal um, with Endeavor. So he was in town where Raw was taking place in L.A. Um, he was heavily involved in creative, uh, according to PW Insider. He was personally and heavily involved, uh, according to multiple sources, uh, about 15 to 20 minutes before Raw went live on air, there were a number of late rewrites. People described uh, it as not feeling like this, like the type of changes talent and staff had come to expect under Paul Levesque. Changes for the episode continued as the show was well in, into being on the air, and they came directly from McMahon, who had a who had his own office at Raw, just as he did before his retirement in the summer of 2022. Um, this is just. Hours after, earlier that morning, he had said, he'd been asked by Scott Wapner, are you still going to be involved in creative? Which I think is, it's, it's remarkable that that question was even asked. That I think we're at, at, a, at a moment of mainstream consciousness that the mainstream media, or at least, you know, they're, 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 they're informed well enough. I don't know if it's because the, the creative and, and Vince's creative got so perceptibly bad. Or, or they just have better producers and better, um, better research. But that question was asked: Are you still going to be involved in creative? Because I think it's you know there's a, there's enough notice that he's a detriment to creative. Um, and and he said, of course, that on a higher level, yeah, he said yes and no. On a higher level, yes, 
but I'm not going to get in the weeds as I have. You know, I love to get in the weeds as before. But I, but and then later that night, he gets hours he gets in later. The weeds. <laughs> hours later, after there had been a, 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 ta- a meeting with talent too to reassure them that things would not change, there he is in Gorilla giving directions. Thirty-one um, minutes of wrestling, Brandon. <laughs> this raw on cage match. As of today, is currently standing with a rating on cage match of a 0.64. That's out of 10. Not out of 1. That's out of 10. This is the lowest rated Raw on cage match. Not all of them are rated. This is the third lowest, right now, this is the third worst show in cage match's entire database. <laughs> at least it's at least Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> it, is, it is only rated higher than... I don't know what this episode is, but the, the September 21st, 2010 episode of NXT on sci-fi, the old sci-fi version of NXT. And then, of course, yes, the October 10th, 1999, Heroes of Wrestling. Oh, I mean, the, the UWF you, Blackjack you, Brawl is high, rated higher than it. Yeah. Herb Abrams won after all. Kick out of this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these shows don't have very many votes. Like, even that the UWF Blackjack Brawl has only got nine votes. Um, and we're looking at like the, the, the 18 most lowest, that's probably not good grammar, right? The 18 lowest rated events in, in cage matches database. Um, and m- most of them don't have more than 50 votes, but some of them do. Um, we've got crown jewel. We've got two, two, uh, Saudi events that were really lowly rated and we've got King of the ring 1995 as well. Um, and we have one of the last SmackDowns of the Vince era on July 8th, 2022. Um, it's probably the, the SmackDown that has like 11 minutes of wrestling in it or something. Anyway, was it really that bad of a show? Or, or is this people going online pissed that they're hearing Vince is back and burying this show? I heard people generally didn't like it too, though. Um, quarter hours. Here's, here's the quarter hours for Monday's Raw. This was a really highly viewed Raw. Um, this is the highest demo for Raw since February 2020, since just before the pandemic. Um, we saw an uptick for the for that final quarter hour involving Brock Lesnar and, and the Cody Rhodes angle where they were about to supposedly have a tag match with Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. Um, but otherwise, you know, this is a commercial free one hour, big uptick from quarter one to quarter two. Um so there's a lot of tune out as you can see throughout the show. Nonetheless, this show did end. It did average in the third hour, still a really high rating. Um, it's not as if all this special tune in for this episode all went away. It's not as if uh, they, they, they turned everybody off by the end of it and they lost all they could have gained here. Um, we'll see what the rating is going forward. Of course, I expect it to be much lower, <laughs> uh, uh, certainly uh, on Monday. Um, but, the big fear was that, you know, and I think we talked about it on Thursday, the, the moment of truth is, is if he's in Gorilla on Friday night in Portland, then it's all over. Then we know what the future is going to be like. Um, however, we got reports from from many, many people, including Wade Keller, saying that Wade, Wade Keller tweeted, there's no sign of Vince McMahon backstage at SmackDown as of a few minutes ago, I'm hearing. Waiting to hear more about whether he's involved in the creative process, though, as I reported on Wednesday's VIP Keller hotline, many were hoping he was only, he was at Raw only due to being at WrestleMania 39 in LA. So, no Vince at Raw. Triple H had, a, had an announcement, but it was only that there's a W draft, which is not really relevant for our purposes. Um, so, no, no Vince at Raw, or I'm sorry, no Vince at SmackDown. And, uh, but he did, Vince reportedly did 
participate in, in some sort of creative meeting via Zoom, you know, remotely. So he was involved. Um, I've got this, this report from, from The Torch uh, following up here. It said, many believe Monday was a sign that Vince would be back on headset uh, during shows and heavily involved in person every week at Raw and SmackDown again. If tonight is any indication, McMahon was so involved at Raw because he happened to be in L.A., for Raw, and perhaps just wanted to steer things in certain directions to show ultimately that he still had the power to do so, even if that's not his intent going forward. That said, he could still be more heavily involved in WWE creative and booking going forward post-sale compared to before the sale and after his retirement announcement last summer, but via long-distance communication instead of on-site. Word should get out regarding that by the end of the night. If he's changing plans, I haven't heard anything about that. So this is definitely not what, not what was happening between, let's say, August and March. We weren't hearing reports that Vince was involved in meetings via Zoom. Um, that's what we know. And the, there will be, as there already was, a lot of Rorschach tests being done every Monday and Friday. Was this, is this Vince's fingerprints? Is this Vince? They're, they're making fun of Johnny Gargano's height. Is that because of Vince? So this is, this is not going to, going to end, you know? Um, I, I, I expect he's going to have a more explicit involvement. Um, and you know, if obviously if he's in gorilla, there's going to be reports of it from the likes of the torch PW insider fightful. This is, you, you can't, he can't uh, conduct from Gorilla without being seen by talent who are going to talk to yeah. reporters. So what does that mean for the business? I mean, it depends on what the quality of the creative is, which remains to be seen. The quality of the creative, um, I believe, caused better, marginally better business, but you know, substantially better business. And we, we can see that in the form of TV ratings, in the form of ticket sales, which... I demonstrated for everybody uh, on WrestleNox.com and in the article that that is available for everybody to read. I do want to look at a, a market to market comparison as well, because I think the the evidence will look more favorable in in the interest of uh, sh showing evidence against interest here. I think you know, if we look at let's look at this. Can I share this? Let's look at a market to market comparison here and say, all right, same city, same event type. Let's compare them. TV to TV, town to town. So Portland, for instance, 9,939 for a SmackDown this past Friday, which is higher than the 8,000 when they were in Portland for Raw in September. Um, the LA post-Mania Raw is not really relevant. Uh, by, by the way, post-Mania Raw and pre-Mania SmackDown um, sold out pretty well in advance. Um, this is not the case of say last year where I don't believe these events sold out for WrestleMania last year, the, the raw and the SmackDown. This is, this is you know evidence that the post mania raw and for that matter, the pre pre mania SmackDown are doing, I don't know if they're doing the same level of hot business that those, that at least the post mania raw had done in the past where that was the hardest ticket to find because the crowd was going to be so raucous. And so, perhaps uncooperative. Um, but we're seeing pretty, we saw these, these, both of these events sell out by the way, while, while we're at it, the Puerto Rico events, both the SmackDown and the backlash appear to have sold out. Um, I believe that's according to Rustics. You, you could, you could try to buy tickets yourself and find it's, it's 
either you, you can only get a couple tickets or it's impossible. Um, but if we go back and say, all right, let's, let's, let's scroll back and look at some Levesque versus Vince examples and say, all right, um, Las Vegas Smackdown, uh, no comp, uh, Salt Lake City house show, well up from the last house show there. St. Louis Raw, well up from the last SmackDown there, but that's still in the Levesque era. Springfield, Illinois, well up from the last, well, not well, uh, just, just about even, slightly down from the last house show there. Milwaukee house show, hmm, about even, almost exactly even from the first uh, early post-pandemic show there. Fargo, North Dakota, slightly down. Kansas City, Missouri, SmackDown, way up from the prior Vince era SmackDown there. Um, Providence, Rhode Island, Raw, uh, well up from the SmackDown there in the Levesque era, well up from the Raw there in, in the McMahon era. Uh, New York, New York, that's Madison Square Garden house show, well up from the ho- well not well up six percent up from the holiday uh, house show there, and you know eleven thousand well up from the comparable Q1 Madison Square Garden house show in the Vince era. Uh, Youngstown, Ohio, well, 33% up from the last Youngstown, Ohio show in the Vince era. Uh, Pittsburgh, SmackDown, 10,000, well up from the, the previous two instances. Anyway, we could go through this more, but this probably not, doesn't make for good audio. So to demonstrate that, I, I, I did do a spreadsheet, and I found it was pretty even over, over Levesque's eight months. I would suspect based on this, though, that that the the latter part of that con- that comparison favors triple h but i i can't say that 100 percent without doing a, a, a pivot table and so forth anyway smackdown appears based on the fastest village have done a strong rating we'll see what happens when the rain comes out tomorrow i think that's all I got. Uh, we do have a super chat yeah oh dear, if you want to okay. get into this that's not enough yeah we know that um, it's just extra yeah uh, we'll do a super chat here it's from louis uh Ducati. uh what do you guys know about itv aew ratings uh tk always plugs a relationship but I know a little aside from uh, biggest wrestling ratings in UK uh, equals happy ITV. What? Mm, let me see if I can find a spreadsheet for that. Um, I believe because AEW is on a stronger station, station, stronger channel, um, that, that AEW does do better ratings than WWE. Um, I'm going to try to find the spreadsheet that I have for that. And I think... Like backbodydrop.com at least used to be reporting that. I don't know if they still are. Um, let's see. United Kingdom TV viewership is one, one of the many spreadsheets that uh, Corey Gibson's uh, collecting for us. So what's the, let's, let's put this on the screen here. Uh, right there. So if we look, boom, all the way here, well, the latest we have here is March 3rd. So this is not super up to date. And it looks like we don't even have WWE stuff past a long time ago. In any case, um, what have I got here? So as, as we can see here, again, WWE stuff is not tracked beyond, you know, I don't know, more than a year ago. But we do see, I mean, I don't know what scale to put this on because I don't look at uh, UK viewership numbers. We see, you know, about 150,000 viewers or so, sometimes as much as 200,000 watching Dynamite. So what, what, what is the question? What, what, what do we know about it? Has it increased? I mean... Maybe slightly. I mean, this would be a slight positive slope here if we started way back at the beginning, which is this looks like, well, this is like mid 2020 we start at, and then we have it not quite out to the present. Uh, in fact, you know, this is this is this is probably not completely up to date here. Um, if I 
right here on the air, update this, uh, this pivot table. I wonder if this will go further. Yeah, it goes a little bit further out. Um, but looks pretty flat in, in what, what I just added here. And I don't know if I even really added anything because we're, we're still looking at January. In any case, um, it's more highly viewed than at least where Raw and SmackDown were about a year ago. I don't see any reason to think that they're way more highly viewed. They might be more sli- more highly viewed uh, than they were before because that's the trend of, of U.S. Uh, viewership. Uh, and... Oh, there! Oh, oh, look at this! Ratings are down for a, for AEW. We do see a little bit of a downturn here in recent months. All right. Yep. And then anyway. that that's the, all the super chats we have for today is coming through here. Yeah, that's all we got. Okay. Any plugs? Um, you can see me uh, ring announce uh, the Saturday in Medina, New York, for ESW Spring Smash, uh, and uh, I have some comedy dates coming up uh, later in April. So check out for those as well. The median pay, we do have this this last thing to add, I suppose, and we'll sign off. The median pay for WWE employees, no, this is not included. I always get this question. No, this is not include wrestlers because wrestlers are not employees. Independent contractors. This is for employees <laughs> only. The median compensation for, for WWE employees in 2022 was $105,000. Not bad, $105,000. And the SEC, as of a few years ago, requires all these companies to say, all right, Tell me what your CEO pay ratio is. Tell me what the ratio uh, of the median employee is to your CEO. So the CEO is Nick Khan. Nick Khan made, as we can see here, 20, oh my, I said $24 million, 20, about $25 million, $24.9 million was his total compensation, including massive stock awards. 237 times the median employee. So Nick Khan is, is very well compensated. Um, and that's about all. We did have Roman Reigns is on the cover of the annual report. That's all I got. Um, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about whatever wrestling business news there is to talk about for subscribers. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next time.